Welcome to Under the Blanket with your host, Baba Love, And we are, of course, under Mirage's blanket and his heart, where we see all is one. We see it that it's not separate. We get it out of the separate self. In today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about things like that are usually called paranormal, ghosts, uh, birds, uh, Ouija boards, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I have with me uh, a guest host, Aaron. Say hi, Aaron. Hello. Hello. Um, so I want to start us off with a little story and then we go from there. So an Ouija board story. Does that sound good, Aaron? Sure. Why not? All right. All right. Ouija board story. So I was in high school. And for those that don't know, the Ouija board is a board that, you know, it, it's got this like uh, device that uh, you put your hands on with someone else and it moves. If two people move it or a spirit moves it or whatever, and it, it shows like in the hole with a glass a letter and it could spell out things. And the idea is if a spirit moves your hands or moves it through you, you can get messages that way. And uh, I was always intrigued about it growing up. And uh, my sister had one and we never, we tried it. And we, you know, when we were like middle school and stuff like that, I've tried and nothing ever happened. It was always someone to always pretend they're moving it and uh make stuff up and it wasn't it was just like a joke you know it wasn't serious or anything but one time in high school i was with my sister and her boyfriend at the time and uh it we had this spooky feeling and it started working and it said it was his grandfather and but we're scientists we're like okay well that we don't believe that but we do got this spooky feeling so Let's do an experiment. One person go in the other room and hold up a, a number on a piece of paper. And the spirit obviously could see the number, right? Like we assumed. So mm-hmm. then the other two people, the spirit will move it to the number. So one person went and held up the number and then two people were on the board. And it went to the number that the person held up in the other room that the two people on the board didn't know. Now, even after that, we weren't convinced. We needed a, We did it a bunch of times with different numbers, with different people. Finally, you know, we were like, okay, there's maybe it's a psychic thing, though. We said, maybe we're just having a psychic moment. How do we know it's this specific spirit? Like, okay, it's a psychic moment. It's obviously that. There's no other scientific answer except tele- telepathy. But if it's a spirit, we need something totally convincing, not just numbers and uh, stuff, psychic stuff. So we're like, tell us something that will convince us. So the spirit said WW2 and then said a boat number da 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 da, da. and uh, he didn't know his gra- he knew his grandfather was in World War II but he didn't even know he had a boat and he didn't even know he had a boat number. So he called up his, his grandmother who was still alive. His grandfather was dead. And uh, she looked up in the old uh, photo album, the boat. And there it sure as it was on the board the exact boat number. So from that point on, we communicated with the grandfather, and he had a message only for his grandson about some money hidden in their house and something like that in the walls or something that he hid there, and maybe from World War II. I don't know. But his parents were never convinced of what happened, and he wasn't able to search for it, so he never got the money. But it was convincing about the afterlife to me at the time and the spirit and whatever i didn't understand how it all worked or anything like that but it was my first introduction 
to that world. And it's a little end of the story is we ended up doing like sort of like a all these people from our high school uh, would come over to and me and my sister would do a Ouija board with them. And it was really getting pretty amazing. And all this stuff was happening. Like, uh, you know, that people like stuff would come on the board that people had told no one. Like this one guy, his mom committed suicide and he came on the board. He never told anybody how his mom had died and stuff like that. So he thought it was his mom and so on and so forth. But anyway, we got into the idea. We wanted to make money out of it and start a whole thing about that. And once that happened, we lost that ability for a while, which was interesting. So that's the story I thought we'd start us off with. So you have experience, Erin, in the paranormal or something, whatever you call it? Oh, absolutely. I've had, had ex, you know, um, experiences with the paranormal since I was very young. Um, it just happens around me. I um, have come to understand that I can feel energies that are beyond what, you know, probably regular people can feel. I've had my own experiences with the Ouija board. Um, there was, I, I only tried it once, you know, a Ouija board you can get from Fisher Price of all um, companies. Uh, I always thought that was funny. Fisher Price has, has Ouija boards, but um, you know, I bought one on a whim, tried it once, nothing happened. And I put it away in the closet. Um, I was probably about 19 or 20 at the time. And uh, then I started hearing all sorts of weird things in the closet, voices, knocks, bangs, things moving around. And I got pretty spooked, so I threw the Ouija board away. I threw it away in the trash outside. And, uh, yeah, and then a few months later, I was in the closet, and there was that Ouija board that I had thrown away. So I threw it, I threw it away. And I ended up throwing that Ouija board away four times before it disappeared. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I don't know. So yeah. weird things happen with Ouija boards. You definitely have to be careful with them. Oh. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, even my uh, experiences were all wonderful in this realm, but I know a lot of people have spooky stuff happen to them. And I think it's, you know, a lot of that has to do with fear of death. It has to do with uh, ego issues. It has to do with there are astral entities that uh you know, have not good intention and stuff like that. Um, cause it, you know, uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff, but I don't really, I just never really was concerned about any of that. Like, cause I, I always talk to my dead guru. I don't consider him like a ghost or anything, but he's dead. And I talk to him all the time. He talks back, stuff like that. He'll do little miracles for me. Like one time it was my birthday and I was like, Baba, do a miracle for me. Uh, for my birthday, but not just like some coincidence or synchronicity or whatever. I need something really cool that I can tell everybody it's my birthday and it'll be fun and exciting. So me and my ex were sitting there and all of a sudden the Be Here Now, which is his book uh, the, in, in the West that he, he uh, turned on Ram Dass and Ram Dass wrote this book and he gave the blessing for the book. He opened the book like, you know, like spirits are able to move things. Like, uh, and he opened a book and the book was just turning by itself, but I knew it wasn't by itself. I just knew my guru spirit was doing it, astral or whatever. And it, it opened up to a page, psychological death. And I got, that was like a cosmic joke. It's my birthday, birth, death, blah, 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 reincarnation, all that kind of stuff. And I find that really fun. So my, it's more, these experiences for me were fun, but apparently for you, you had uh, very, it freaked you out. So I was wondering if you could maybe dive into that. Why? 
were you freaked out about all this? Well, I think that, it, um, you know, that's a good question. Sometimes I'm freaked out and other times I'm not. It just depends on the state of mind I'm in. Um, now that I'm older, I, I don't tend to get freaked out. I just, uh, I just, I can understand the feeling that I'm getting. And some of the, you know, some of the sensations that happen when there's a spirit or there's a, a ghost around um, can activate different energy centers in the body. And some of those can make you uncomfortable, like um, that sinking, scary feeling in your stomach may just be an entity that needs help crossing instead of somebody who has gone on to the other side and you'd feel that more in your chest and your heart, which is a, a loving feeling. And so, you know, over time I've been able to learn to judge, you know, the, the vibrationary level of these entities and, and what they possibly need by the bodily sensations in myself as they approach me. Um, and, you know, Feelings in the stomach are not necessarily fun. You kind of feel sick a little bit. Um, but those are the entities that I deal with the best. And I'm able to communicate the easiest and help them. Um, it's one of the things I feel like is a job in my life is to help these entities get to where they need to go. And um, and so I, I go out of my way to not be afraid of things like that you know i won't watch scary movies that are about ghosts and things because that's the last thing i need is to be afraid of something that i have to deal with on a daily basis um it, it, can but you it's tell us a story about something that happened to you like i know you told the ouija board but maybe another story oh Listeners, sure get out your popcorn <laughs> oh sure and so like i when i first moved into the house that i i have now it's the um first house i've ever owned we were just there and my, my daughter and I were making the first dinner here in the house and we were in the kitchen and we heard somebody in the living room say, knock, knock, like they had just come in to say hello. We were alone in the home. It was a woman's voice, young girl, maybe. And uh, so that really surprised us. We went running into the living room. Nobody's here. But um, that kind of activity continued, um, especially like when we were in the bathroom, we would hear somebody humming. We would the door would open. We'd see somebody's head lean in. Um, one time my daughter thought that I was home early from work and was talking to me only to hear me enter the front door later. Um, and this went on for several months. And wow. then one day. I found out, well, I, well, let me, let me back up. I was having dreams. I was having dreams of this girl whose name started with a B. We'll just call her Brenda at this point. And, um, and she was showing me how she died. And I kept thinking that was very bizarre and probably not just a dream. Right. And, uh, not too much later, I found out that it was like the 25th anniversary of the the death of a friend or a, you know, an acquaintance that I had in high school. And, and then I found out how she died. <laughs> and I realized that for some reason that was her in my house. And I was able to, once I knew who it was that I was dealing with, I was able to sit down and talk to her about why she doesn't really need to be here. She doesn't need to be at the house. She can move on to the other side and, and be happy and whole and all that and communicate better with her family and things like that. So that was really quite uh, an interesting experience to know that she had come to me for help 
after all these years. Uh, that's beautiful. You know, I, I really relate with this kind of stuff because I see spirits and hear voices and things like that. And, you know, like I was telling you about the book thing and my guru. But another interesting uh, relation to that, which is uh, with my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother lived in this house and uh, she had a chair and I and she had a chair right in front of her. And when I go over to see my grandmother, I started seeing my grandfather sit in the chair in front and he was wearing this blue jogging suit. And I don't remember seeing him wear that blue jogging suit, but she said, oh, yeah, she has that. And I would uh, hear his voice tell me things and we'd have conversations with dead grandma and grandma. And other people thought I was nuts, but she really was into it. So uh, and then I stopped seeing him for a while. Um, but I told my grandmother she was getting near the time where she was probably going to pass. And she had she was still she had Alzheimer's, but she was very with it. She hadn't descended into the later stages. She would, you know, repeat things and stuff, but she remembered people's names and remembered memories and all that kind of stuff and knew who, who she, her ego was and all that. So I was always telling her, like, you know, are you ready? And she's like, I'm getting ready. I'm going to pass uh, eventually, of course, and I'm just preparing myself, and she was meditating. And I was like, I would make her promise me. I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but I kept being like, you have to haunt me. If you passed on, you have to. I want you to haunt me and keep in touch. And I, I made her promise me it many times. And it, uh, uh, six months before you, she died, I had uh, a premonition about the future that she'd die in six months. Six months later, it was about the same time I had predicted. She was in the hospital. And supposedly, you know, from the opiated things, she was uh, not conscious, the doctor said. But I know in the spiritual realm she was very aware of everything going on in the room even maybe in her body aware it's just she couldn't she couldn't communicate because her mouth was like she was she didn't have the motor functions to have speech but sometimes you hear a little bit like that like she was trying to talk but i kept assuring her she doesn't have to do that um and i uh, i read the tibetan book of the dead to her which is a specific uh thing to help guide uh, the person not to reincarnate not to the other side not to heaven not to any level ever just to escape the whole cycle altogether which is to go uh, into the clear light people when they die they see the light if you go all the way into the light all the way uh, you don't come back in a, on a, on any side on any level you go beyond the cycle from my understanding so i, I read the appropriate passage like 30 minutes later her, during 30 minutes, her breathing was getting more and more peaceful, more and more peaceful. It was getting really almost orgasmic. And at the end, she just went, ah, and it was like a breath of relief. And we all felt something, the four people that were there. It was really cool. And it was beautiful. It was very beautiful. It's like the way anybody would want to die, just that peaceful, that happy, that, uh, you know, not afraid having someone guide you and all. It was like a death doula, I guess you could say. And then uh, I read the appropriate passage in the Tibetan Book of the Dead after. Now, did she haunt me is the question, right? Well, at our funeral, um, uh, a sprinkler system was, uh, you know, was there, and it turns on at a specific time in the morning, blah, blah, blah. But during the funeral, one tiny part of the sprinkler system, which, you know, a logical scientific person would say that's just a coincidence. The sprinkler turned on by itself and sprayed people at the funeral thing. So I was like, ah, that's me, mom. And all the people that were with the spiritual stuff knew that was her and all that kind of stuff. But she didn't stop there. At another time in my parents' house, there was a latch door and it was shut. Definitely no way it could have done it without some kind of spiritual help. The latch just popped off and we felt like 
uh, a cold, like a chill, go through the uh, kitchen and like you know goose pimples stuff. Like people say when they feel sometimes a ghost, they feel like some sort of chill or something. We felt that, and uh, I saw her in my mind's eye, like a hallucination scientist would say, I call it a vision of her mm-hmm. running through the kitchen with her arms up laughing like she's having a grand old time just haunting me. <laughs> and, you know, this stuff has happened a lot, but those are the two specific uh, times. So what do you, you know, that's that's that. So Right. That, um, you know, I think that a lot of us have these very um, intimate relationships with people that who have crossed over. Um, especially if we were there at the time that they passed, you know, people wonder, is there life after death? And I, um, I can say absolutely, because I've watched it happen. I, I know it's happened and I've communicated with those who are just crossed and, um, you know, like you being able to be with your grandmother at the time of her passing, I was with my aunt and, uh, and at that time, I realized that that is like the perfect way to go, surrounded by family telling stories and, you know, just being close and loving. And, um, you know, there were, I think, five of us in the room with her at the time that she passed. And and we watched her as she went from being able to talk to us into a state where she was not able to communicate. And um, she was shaking her head and saying no over and over again. And, and uh, we knew that she was arguing with somebody. And we chuckled thinking it was probably her husband, you know, my uncle Sonny. And then um, um, also her, we knew her father and her son were there as well. We just knew it. And, um, and uh, I leaned over to my cousin and I told her, just wait until she changes that argument. As soon as she says, yeah, things are going to change. And, um, you know, it, her breathing became labored and and I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable at that time. I'd never been around death like that before. And, um, and I um, actually felt my granny with me stand behind me and say, don't you take your eyes off this. And so I, I paid very close attention to everything that was happening and she continued to argue and say, no. And we just watched and waited. And I think it was about 20 minutes later. She said, yeah, and she was gone in the next 30 seconds. She had, she had gotten it. So whatever it was that she was debating, whatever it was she was arguing about, she, um, she decided it was okay then. And, and she was gone and it was, it was a beautiful experience. And I, and I think that being there in that moment with her as she crossed really, really changed my understandings of, of life and death. Yeah, it's it's cool that we both had the similar experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, you know, these people you mentioned that uh, wonder about is their life after death, and they they sort of are afraid of death and all kinds of stuff like that. From my understanding, all that fear of death and wondering what death is comes from ego. It comes from our separate self. And when we're in the ego in our mind, that's when we are afraid of death. That's when we wonder what it's all about with that sort of stuff. And, uh, but you know, you could be in your ego and still be like, oh, I ha- I think I know about death and I have these experiences and so on and so forth. But I think if you, when you go beyond the ego into the soul level, the soul has died so many times, birthed so many times, been to every level anywhere. It's traveled everywhere into this universe, that universe, this side, that side, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, it's no big deal. It's just another moment. That's just another moment to the soul. 
And I think um, that's um, beautiful that we could get in touch with that place inside ourselves where we're not separate, where we understand life and death, but we're not intellectually like, I know what that is, thought process stuff. It's like this place inside that just gets it, that's just not afraid at all. And, uh, you know, if a listener's out there like wondering about this kind of stuff, you know, uh, I recommend that if you really want to understand all this stuff, you're going to have to quiet your mind. You could understand this stuff intellectually. You could have all kinds of experiences. But if you really, really want to get it, you're going to have to quiet your mind and be going to silence and go within. And I recommend uh, at night uh, or in the morning, you t- sit in darkness and just sit in darkness and just watch your thoughts and quiet down. Eventually, if you do this every day, probably in years in your case, listener, you will finally find this place inside and then you'll you'll remember you'll remember like that just oh yeah you know it's i wasn't that i wasn't who i thought i was all along you know but what would you recommend aaron for someone that's listening right now and wondering about all this stuff and be like i don't want to die and i what is that and you know all that kind of big questions you know those are really big questions um there are several different things you can do like you said meditation um, finding the quiet. If you if you're a person that feels like you need to read or experience, there are many many books about um, people who have seen the other side. Or uh, you know one book in particular, I think it's called The Afterlife of Billy Fingers, but I cannot remember who wrote it off the top of my head. But that's as far as I've been able to tell so far is the most um, uh, well, the account in there is, is a woman whose brother had died and, and came back and it was telling her about his experiences in the in the afterlife and um, is very similar to what I have experienced myself. And and just to know that those who have crossed are communicating with us all the time. We just may not recognize it as communication. Oftentimes there's, you know, a song that is stuck in our head and we don't know why. You know what? Pay attention to those lyrics. Go read them. Because somebody's trying to tell you something. Uh, you may find feathers, coins, uh, you know, butterflies, you know, all sorts of these different ways that um, that uh, different beings communicate with us. And they are communicating all the time. We just have to expand our levels of awareness and our and allowing communication to happen on many, many different levels without limits. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because, you know, a lot of people, they don't have the discipline to meditate or, you know, reading a book just doesn't do it for them. You know, they did these uh, experiments with people that are dying or terminally ill where they give them a psychedelic substance. And they found that is super extremely helpful in that situation to give them uh, a powerful psychedelic trip. And then they're not afraid of dying. They they. It's, there's some connection between psychedelics and dying where people take this, they have these powerful sacred experiences with uh, a chemical and they're able to understand death better. Um, and they're starting to make it uh, available to people legally, like an organ and stuff like that, where, you know, right. a dying person will take it and then they'll be all anxious about death and worried about what's going to happen. And then they take a big trip and they're like, oh, it's just another moment and they understand it and that sort of thing. And, you know, I feel that should be available to people to not, I think everything should be available. I'm one of those people that think people have the right to change their consciousness. But, you know, I found that interesting and I found my psychedelic experiences help my understanding of death. And like my teacher Ram Dass and the blanket guru and the show is named after the blanket guru. 
Ram Dass uh, had many psychedelic experiences, and he started this dying project. And that's the beginnings of what became hospice, you know, because uh, he often said being around dying people is like a psychedelic experience in itself, because now we can't just feed acid to people dying. But, well, people could, but I wouldn't recommend, you know, because you get in trouble, <laughs> I guess. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, you know, like being around dying people, like you were around your aunt, I was around my grandmother. Those are transformative things. So if you're listening and you have a chance to be around someone close to death, don't run away from it. Don't like say, I'm not going to look at that because you're going to have to deal with that at some point. So this is your opportunity to learn. And you don't have to be like, I'm going to tell you what I think of the afterlife. Just be there with them, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Being present, not only for yourself and knowing that you were there to help support them, but uh, for them to feel like you're there and to be present. And uh, and uh, it, it, it may be a scary moment. It may be a moment where you're afraid, but uh, this is a time to sit in that and uh, just allow yourself to expand and learn and grow. One time I had a vision of my own death in this lifetime. I don't know going to happen i don't know anything but it feels something right about it uh, i'm sitting in meditation and i'm much older so probably in my 90s i'd estimate and i'm sitting and it's the future and apparently we have these devices implanted into our brains where all, all of a sudden out from our eyes we have no it's no it must be implanted in our brains i imagine out comes a screen um and the screen pops out where we look at it, like instead of holding your phone, a hologram comes out of your uh, brain or whatever it is. Anyway, I'm sitting there and my, I don't have the screen on. I'm just meditating. And all these people, I guess they're my friends and family, are sitting around with these screens and they're all paying attention to their screens. And they're just not as interested in what I'm doing or I don't know, but they're paying attention to their screens. So it sounds like some very probable future. Because <laughs> we're having yes, dealing it does. with that. But anyway, I remember just meditating myself into death, and then I slump over. And that is a common thing with yogis, like Sri Yukteswar was a guru in India, where he uh, predicted his own death in a similar way that I just did. He had a vision or whatever, and he ended up doing it through meditation. He called one of his highest disciples back to India, and he came, and he just sat, and he had, was surrounded by all his people, and he was just meditating, and all of a sudden, he just slumped over. He left his body. But Yogananda was very attached to that body, and he was extremely great. He knew that there was, you know, an afterlife. He knew about all these levels and reincarnation, the other side, all that kind of stuff. He understood it. But yet, it's we still get really attached to the form of someone we really care about. Even though his guru is supposed to liberate him, he was very attached to that form, and that's gone. You know, that's what we got to face. Like, all that, the form stuff. Every form we know, every person we know. That will change. That will go away. But the spirit, the love is always there. So if we're attached to the form of a person, we will grieve. We will suffer over their loss. But if we are focused on the love that we share between that person, then we will not grieve. So perhaps uh, end the show because it's getting near the end with a few uh, thoughts or words about grieving and stuff like that. I thought that was you could address that maybe. Oh, sure. I mean, and I think that I think that you're right with that when you're attached to that particular form and they are no longer there, you're going to miss them because the familiar 
you know, activities and communications and things that you're used to are, are different. However, that doesn't mean that the communication is completely stopped, as you said. Um, and we talked about earlier. So uh, allowing the growth and expansion of awareness really does help the grieving process because you know that you can still communicate and you know that the love is still there and is felt in both directions. Um, however, that is not easy and it is okay to take your time through the process of letting go. Exactly. And this has been Baba Here Love, your host and Aaron. And uh, thank you for listening. Remember, be here now. Die into love to truly live.